It's now or never. It's do or die. ACC tournament week is here. North Carolina has to make some noise, or the only tournament they'll be headed to is the NIT. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Wednesday, March 8th, 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast. It's my daughter Poppy's fourth birthday. Happy birthday, baby. Daddy loves you. Also, it's appropriate because it's International Women's Day. What do you know about that? I'm your host, Isaac Shade. Joining me as he does every Wednesday is our guy, Coach Pat Kilby. We want to thank you for joining us on today's show. It's game day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Network. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Coming up on the show, we are going to get you ready for tonight's game with Boston College with our W2W4, the what to watch for. Pack, we need like some finger signs for that somehow, like what to watch for. There we go. I just came up with it. Okay, uh, that was quick and easy. And then we will also discuss the all ACC awards that came out on Monday. Kind of the same things that happened last year happened again this year. But first, we're going to talk about where we're kind of at heading into this ACC tournament. By the way, with it being International Focus International Focus Day, International Women's Day, make sure you check out. We've got a 10-minute bonus episode today. A little interview I did with Coach Courtney Banghart, the head coach of UNC Women's Basketball, as they get ready for the Women's NCAA Tournament. So that is in your audio feed and on YouTube. Make sure you check it out. I'll even link it uh, here on the show as we're going in case you're watching it. And by the way, big shouts to our guy, Coach Pat Kilby, who starts with his high school team today, the Oklahoma State Tournament. They're down to the final eight games today. Friday and Saturday, if they're so fortunate to advance, which I'm telling you, they're going to. They're going to win this whole daggum thing. And so, Pack, so happy for you and the ladies as you get going into this tournament. So we started off in the cold open by me saying, hey, basically, Carolina's got to get their act together this week or they will be headed to the NIT. And I got to tell you, that just tasted yucky coming out of my mouth. I don't know about you, Pack. It might have sounded yucky to your ears. But here's where I want to start, and I want to ask you, where are you at with the Tar Heels right now heading into the ACC tournament? Are you feeling hopeful? Are you feeling downtrodden? Somewhere in between. Somewhere in between. Maybe a mixture of both. Like, uh, hopeful. Yeah, I'd love to see us go on a run. I'd love to see us win the tournament and just eliminate the question of whether or not they're going to put us in. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't believe we can do that because, well, quite frankly, every time I start to think we're going to turn a corner, we don't. Um, so now I'm kind of like, am I just kind of ready for this thing to be over with? Because I keep getting my hopes up and I keep getting let down. <laughs> but ultimately, I think the feeling is hopeful just because I enjoy watching them and uh, want to, you know, want the chance to watch them more on the biggest stage in college basketball. So. I'm hoping we can win a couple games this week and, you know, maybe maybe punch our ticket uh, to the NCAA tournament just by, by winning the ACC tournament outright. 
Hey, that's the way to do it, man. Like, like you said, take the decision out of the selection committee's hands and just go out and win four straight in four days. One of the issues with doing that, though, is, Pac, I don't know if you've noticed this from watching Carolina basketball games or maybe looking at box scores. Coach Davis doesn't necessarily play a ton of depth. Are you aware of this? Did you know that that's a thing? <laughs> but unfortunately, uh, yes. Unfortunately, we're all too well aware of it. And one of the issues with that is it leads to not being able to play four games in four days at a high level because if you play R.J. Davis 40 minutes against Boston College tonight, he's not going – I don't know if you know how the body works, uh, Pack, but if he plays 40 minutes tonight, he's not going to be sharp against NC State – or excuse me, Virginia on Thursday, assuming Carolina is fortunate enough to get past Boston College. So, Pack, you are a coach. You do this all the time. You're about to do it right now. This is part of why I brought up the Oklahoma State tournament. You're about to hopefully go through a stretch of three games in four days. Have you and your coaching staff talked about – like, have you had discussions about how you want to think about depth? Obviously, you got to win these games or you don't advance – but obviously you also want to try to save something so that if you get to the championship on Saturday, your ladies still have some legs left under them to win a basketball game. So talk me through this. What is the mindset of a coach heading into a multiple game, uh, multiple games in, in short succession kind of stretch? Well, you know, one thing that you try to do before you even get to this point is to have clearly defined roles. You know, <laughs> whoops, like, yeah. whoops. I know for us, like what we do with our team, and I've told you off the record, I'll say it now, we feel like we have nine or ten players that we can play comfortably. And we have – we average 70 points a game, but we don't have a single double-digit scorer. So we really have clearly defined roles, and we, we actually rely a lot heavily on our depth. Um, obviously that's not necessarily the case for UNC, but I do think that there's got to be some conversation had about what, you know, what can we do to get to utilize our depth, keep some of our starters fresh so that they can be effective for four straight days. And, And to me, you know, it starts with, with a clear rotation with, uh, Trimble, Puff, as long as he's good to go, which well, is far I hope so, man. Yeah. Yeah. As far as I know, I mean, I haven't been told or heard Same or read that he's out. So I think he's okay. And then uh, Jalen Washington. I'd love to see those three be a solid rotation. And then, you know, if you can mix in Trez or you can mix in T Nick or, you know, whoever, then, then I think you do it. You got to do it. And a lot of it, you know, you can say before the game, this is what we would love to do. But a lot of it really depends on how the game goes. That's right. And I know that we've talked about it a lot on this show. We've had a tendency to maybe get a lead and then lose a lead. <laughs> well, I think a lot of times it's because we don't sub yeah. and we get worn down. So maybe we can take advantage of those times when we get a lead. We can sub. We can stay fresh. And we can you know, continue to have that lead like we haven't done a whole lot of this year. Yep. And and you just talked about a sub and staying fresh, and it made me really hungry for Subway, eat fresh, you know. Uh, so thanks for that, Pack. But yeah, I mean, you're you're right on with that because I, I love that idea of the the five starters and then getting a good 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes 
for the likes of Puff Johnson, Jalen, and Seth Trimble. I think that is your most firm next three. And then some stealing some spot minutes for Tyler Nichols. Uh Stealing some spot minutes for, uh, you know, Dontrez, for example, as well. And we've seen Coach Davis do that a little more regularly late in the first half recently, where he'll he'll utilize some of those guys the the particularly like Puff, for example, more in the first half, and then just steal some minutes here and there, and then really rely heavily on the starters in the second half. But I, I'm not even sure that is a sustainable model if they want to at least make it to the ACC championship game this week. And, and so that's something we're going to have to watch out for right out of the gate is what, what level of substitution will we see today, tonight against Boston college? Like it's got to be there. Um, and again, I, I know you have to win this game or you don't get to play again tomorrow. I get that, but there's no reason you shouldn't be able to win this specific game with, with a deep bench. I get that there's other games later in the ACC tournament that you might have to really heavily rely on the starting five, but that's why you have to utilize the bench more tonight against Boston College. Oh, Pack. Well, speaking of utilizing that depth against Boston College, we want to get into our W2, W4, that hand sign we just made up a second ago as we get into thinking about Boston College, what we're looking at for Carolina to do. I think we've got some real humdingers for you here, and we'll talk about those in just a second. But first, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Listen, we've just passed the midway point of the NBA season, and now's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sports Pack. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores or any. Thing else. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. Once again, that's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn all about it. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Okay, pack. Here we go. ACC tournament second round. North Carolina taking on Boston College, who beat lowly Louisville on Tuesday from the Greensboro Coliseum, 7 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2. Ken Palm has this game. The Tar Heels favored by 10 points. Carolina at Boston College played just one previous time this year. It was in Chapel Hill. Carolina won by only eight, 72 to 64. Armando Baycott led all scorers with 20 and led all rebounders with 16. Something to keep an eye on for Boston College. We don't, we're not going to necessarily talk too much on the Boston College side of things, except to say this. Quinton Post is their leading scorer this season, 15.2 points per game. He was Boston College's leading scorer in the matchup in Chapel Hill. He had 17. He suffered an ankle injury on Saturday and then didn't play in their game Tuesday against Louisville. So that's something big time to watch for for the Eagles. Did they hold out Quinton Post just because they're playing Louisville and they anyone should be able to smack Louisville even without Quinton Post? 
or is he legitimately unable to go? That's something we'll have to watch for ahead of this game. Who is in Boston College's lineup? With that all said, Pack, let's get into our what to watch for. And it starts right here where we've had this conversation so much this season. Which shooting version of North Carolina will we get? The Tar Heels in the first matchup were 10 of 29 from three against Boston College. That's 34.5%, one of just six times this entire season where the Tar Heels have hit double-digit threes. And a reminder, Carolina is undefeated when they make at least 35% of their threes in a game. Pack, is there anything that tells you or anything we can rest on or draw attention to to tell us what type of shooting we're going to get from the Tar Heels in this game? Well, I think we've shot better at home than on the road this year. I think that's for sure. And, I, you know, this is a – Greensboro Coliseum is a place we're familiar with. Um, obviously, it's not home, but it's close. It's not, it's not a far travel. It's a gym we've played in. It's a gym we have experience in. So I'm hopeful that we shoot well. Um, to me, though, it's just so dependent on what types of shots we're taking. You and I know that it really depends. That we could get wild Caleb Love. We could get wild R.J. Davis. We could get Leakey taking a lot of three-point attempts like it felt like he did against Duke last uh, Saturday and it could just equal bad shooting or we could take care of the ball. We could create good looks for ourselves and it could equal good shooting. So that to me is, that's the question. Um, but I do like the fact that it's, it's not truly a road game. It should be like a home atmosphere. It should be a lot of Carolina fans in the stands, not a far travel, a gym we're familiar with. So those things are all positives for the Tar Heels, in my opinion. Yeah. To your point, it is 53 miles from the Dean E. Smith Center to the Greensboro Coliseum. Meanwhile, from the Connie Forum, where Boston College plays, it's 748 miles. And so, uh, I mean, listen, that is not, not a factor in this thing. It's a gym where Carolina is very used to, to being, although obviously this particular group of guys isn't necessarily used to being there. But it is it is very much home homely for the Tar Heels. And so I'm, I'm really concentrating in on which version of the Tar Heels we get from a shooting standpoint, which leads us into the second point of the what to watch for is not only which shooting performance will we get, but what shots will Carolina take? You started to get into that some pack and, and I want to unpack it even further because we're not going to do our unpacking it segment today. So there we go. We'll just let this be unpacking it a little bit, but I want to look back at the Duke game a little bit as, as we think about this. In a game that Carolina loses by five points, really all it takes is two or three possessions of things going differently for Carolina, finding a better shot, getting a better shot, whatever it may be. Uh, Carolina, for example, being down by three with about 20 seconds to go, who takes the three? Not RJ Davis, who's three of five in that game. It's Caleb Love, who is 0 for six in that game from three. It's these types of things. Carolina has to vigilantly make sure they're going to get the best shot. And by the way, if the threes aren't falling, you got to find a way to do something else. Attack, get to the free throw line, get it into Mondo, let him eat a little bit. 
Pac, so let's, I just want to hear your thoughts a little bit more on shot selection, how Carolina can uh, just feverishly work to get the shots that they want. Well, for starters, you just mentioned that we got to get Armando the ball and we got to make it a priority because, you know, three things are going to happen. He's going to get a shot around the rim. He's going to shoot free throws or he's going to be able to distribute the ball from the inside out. And that's going to create opportunities for our guards. Uh, But the other thing is, is, and I get it, you know, teams do make it tough for us to get the ball to Armando. Sure. But we've got to stop being so impatient. It's like, That's right. it's like we come down, oh, man, they covered Armando up. Let me just jack this thing up. Maybe he'll get an offensive rebound. Maybe he can get it that way, you know? Because tough and impossible are not the same words. Teams exactly. can make it tough, but not impossible to get him the ball. Exactly. And it feels like sometimes we just get so impatient with trying to feed him the ball that we become one, two pass possessions, fire it up. Now we got to go back to the other end and play 20 seconds of defense. And we fall into that habit and that pattern a lot. So to me, I just want to see us be patient. I want to see us make a consistent effort to get Armando the ball. And then I think good things just from that, from that alone, I think good things will happen. I'm with you. And, and I like some of it is you don't know who's going to be, the one that's got the hot hand on any given night. So you got to kind of search around a little bit. I think that's part of it too. That patience you're talking about is like, man, Puff is on fire tonight. Let's get him the ball in space to make a play. Oh man, this is a game where Caleb is shooting really well. Let's let's let him get going a little bit. This is a game like, man, if Pete comes out and hits his first shot, those are typically those games where he gets going. You know, like yeah. I, I just well, think that thing where the guard well, that, in particular have yeah, that goes willing to do that. That goes back to what you just mentioned earlier about RJ was three for five and Caleb was zero for six. Great, great point. And it's like read the room. Like <laughs> you're cold. He's hot. Quit being selfish. Give him the ball. And I don't know that Caleb means it in a selfish way, but golly, it comes across that way. You know, sometimes it's just like he's got the hot hand. Get him the ball. Yeah. But we're not patient enough to do that. Um, and so, yeah, I'm 100% with you. You nailed it on the head. We gotta, we gotta get those guys the basketball. Yeah. Well, and this takes us nicely into our third point of the what to watch for. Pack, I didn't even really realize this until I started digging in, and I looked back at the last box score against Boston College. Like, uh, like I said earlier, Armando led all scores with 20 points, led all rebounders with 16 points, and I, or 16 rebounds, excuse me. And I started to think, you know, Pack. It feels like it's been a minute since Armando has had a game like that. So let me look, let me look up through his game logs. Would you believe me if I told you that the last time Armando Baycott scored 20 or more points on a game in a game was January 21st against NC State? That's 12 games ago. Furthermore, would you believe me if I told you? that the last time Armando Baycott had 15 or more rebounds was that same game, January 21st, 12 games ago. Armando Baycott has not had 15 or more rebounds in 12 games. Armando Baycott has not scored 20 or more points in uh, in 12 games. Now, I think some of that is is got to be on him. Uh, I felt like at Duke, like he had the level of motor and energy I wanted to see that gets him there. But 
it feels like what you were just saying a minute ago, his multiple of his teammates are too impatient to get him the ball where it needs to be. Now we know that Armando is not always as efficient as perhaps he could or should be around the rim, but still, like you said, he needs to be that facilitator. And so for me, what am I watching for a big Baycott game? That means to me, feed the big fella, get him involved early and often, get him to the free throw line where he was eight or eight of nine or nine of 10 against Duke the other day. Let's make this thing happen. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I don't even have anything to add to that. You nailed it on the head. So perfect. We'll just move along because clearly I'm Johnny talks all about it tonight or today (laughs) on the show. Uh, Number four on our four, uh, what to watch for, not our four corners recap. That'll be on tomorrow's show after the game. Number four is this. And and I used this little three part phrase yesterday and I'm going to keep using it because I like it. Get a lead, keep a lead, extend a lead. That's what I'm looking for against, frankly, an inferior basketball team. All due respect to Boston College, they are not as good a team as North Carolina. They are not as talented as North Carolina. So there is no reason that Carolina should not have a double-digit lead by 10 minutes into this game, if not less time. And there's no reason it shouldn't be out to 15 or 20 by halftime. And in the second half, the lead should never fall below 20. That's what should be the reality of these Tar Heels against these Eagles. But I'm not convinced they can or will do that. And I think that's part of the season-long issue that we've experienced. But, Pac, there's still this hope that they can and will do that. What would it take for Carolina to get that type of lead, keep it, and then extend it? Well, to get it is just kind of what we've been talking about. Prioritize shot selection, which should make our shooting percentage go up. (laughs) <laughs> value value defensive possessions, right? Just force force contested shots, yeah, yeah. limit second chances. And then that's that's getting the lead. Keeping the lead is not getting complacent. Okay, we've done that a lot too. Keeping the lead is not jacking up shots after one or two passes. It's continuing to do what got you the lead. Extending the lead is relying on your depth. Hmm. Because so often we get those leads and they slowly start to dwindle away because we take plays off because we're exhausted and we've got to rely on our depth here, here. That's well said. Thank you for dividing that up those ways. I think that is what we can watch for, for North Carolina to do. So we'll be watching. Can Carolina get out to a hot start in this thing? We're looking, I mean, legit, I think no reason they couldn't have a 10 point lead before the first 10 minutes of the game are gone. So watch for that, what kind of start the Tar Heels have. Well, as we said, we do want to unpack the All-ACC Awards, which came out on Monday. Is there reason to be frustrated, or should we be okay with how things turned out? We're going to talk about that in just a second. All right, we're joined, as we are every Wednesday, by our guy, Coach Pat Kilby. And Pack on Monday, the All-ACC Awards came out for North Carolina, There wasn't really all that much to celebrate, but there are a few things. And I'll I'll roll through the three teams that the ACC uh, vote, the uh, the media voted on, and then just name a couple other things. Um, And then I just want to get some takes on how we feel about it. So first team, and this is in order of votes, Isaiah Wong from Miami, leading vote getter, followed by Armando Baycott. Tyree Appleby at Wake Forest, Hunter Tyson at Clemson, and Jamarius Burton at 
Pitt. Second team, Kyle Filipowski, Duke, Jerquavion Smith, NC State, Jarkel Joyner from NC State, Jordan Miller, Miami, and Blake Henson of Pitt. Third team, Norchad O'Meara from Miami, PJ Hall from Clemson, Kihei Clark, Virginia, Jesse Edwards, Syracuse, and Reese Beekman from Virginia. And Pac, as I read those names off, it kind of makes me shudder a little bit because some of those guys have absolutely just caused fits for the Tar Heels this year. Honorable mention, a whole list, but uh, RJ and Caleb make it. They are two of the last three with Caleb being dead last on that honorable mention list. The only other Tar Heel anywhere is that Leakey made it uh, onto the all-defensive team. He was the third leading vote getter? I don't know. And then in the defensive player of the year voting, he was the second leading vote getter. And so Pac, uh, um, Isaiah Wong from Miami wins the ACC player of the year. And let me say something about that. And then uh, I want to get your reaction. And then I also want to talk about Leakey and the defensive player of the year vote. I have less of an issue this year with Armando Baycott losing out the ACC player of the year vote than I did last year. I think part of that is because just some of the injuries, some of the time he's missed, some of what we just talked about a little bit ago. He hasn't been, I, I don't think he's been as dominant this year. I think some of that's him. I think some of it is the lack of shooting from his teammates, which hasn't allowed him to operate in the same amount of space he had last year. Um, and so frankly, while I, I would have loved to see him win this award, I'm not, uh, I, I don't think it's as big of a, a slight as it was last year when he lost out to yet another Wake Forest point guard. He didn't lose out to him this year to Tyree Appleby, but that was part of that conversation. What are your thoughts on the ACC player of the year results? Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I don't have as much of an issue as, you know, as last year with Armando not winning it. And honestly, I thought the ACC player of the year was really up for grabs. I don't think anybody just yeah. went and took it, you yep. know, and said, this is mine. Um, ultimately, I think it was just kind of a, a more of a team award, you know, and I felt that way, honestly, about a lot of the different categories. And I know we'll talk more about that here in a minute, but um, ultimately, I think Wong and Miami probably overachieved in a lot of people's eyes. And he happened to be the best player on that team. Here you go. You know, yeah. and, and that makes sense because nobody really went and took it. And I think that's the big reason why. I th- that's really well said, Pac. If, if, if there's nobody like a Zion or a Tyler Hansborough to just say, dude, this is mine. Get out of the way. Best player on the best team or the best player on the first place team, at least, you know. Yeah. And so I, I can't blame it. Now, Reese Beekman is a phenomenal defensive player. I recognize that. The fact that once again Leaky Black does not win this defensive player of the year award, I I am irked. I am angered. I, I'm trying to find kind words to say about this. And so I feel like I shouldn't keep talking because it's just at, at some point you have to recognize the body of work of it. It's like when an actor we got oscars coming up on sunday it's like when an actor finally wins like actor or actor best actor of the year award after like kind of a lifetime achievement when he or she has never done it it's kind of like leaky deserves that at some point and and i know here's the other side of it north carolina is the seventh place team in the acc and because of that there's there's something to be said like what we just talked about about isaiah wong in miami they're the best team and so they get the the awards here 
And so I, I guess to some degree, we can't be too bent out of shape because North Carolina finished in the middle of the pack, quite frankly. But yet, Leakey is so good as a defender that, again, I, I, no disrespect to Reese Beekman, this to me is Leakey Black's award. Yeah. I mean, that's very well put. You know, I'll just add to it, though. At some point, and this is the job of the voters, you have to be able to separate a player from a team. You know, it's just like sometimes you see these guys, like you look at the the NBA or the NFL draft, guys that are very talented that didn't play on good teams are still getting drafted. Why? Because you can separate those two things. And I think that's a lot of times what happens when you look at Leakey is like, oh, you know, UNC finished middle of the pack. No, he's not the defensive player of the year. Well, yeah, yeah, he is. I mean, <laughs> he didn't win it. But you can ask any reasonable basketball mind, and they're going to tell you, no disrespect to Beekman, Leakey's the better defender. And it's really, I mean, in my opinion, not really all that close. Mm. Um, stats may say otherwise, but to me – what Leakey does isn't found in the stats other than the fact that you can look and say, oh, wow, that guy was averaging 20. Man, Leakey held him to six. Leakey held him to four. Leakey held him to seven. Like Most of these guys that score a lot when Carolina plays them, Leakey's putting the shutdown on them. And I would have to go back and look, but I'd be willing to bet Leakey held most of them to their season low. I, I, I like I said, I don't know the stats on that, but I'd be willing to bet that he did a lot of them. And so um, you really can't place a value on that, you know. And I just wish people could see and begin to value exactly how much he does, despite what the team success looks like. Yeah, I think you've put that very well. We got we got to be able to do that. And um, I just don't think enough voters take the time to do that beyond looking at things like steals and blocks and and other typical defensive metrics that are just lowest common denominator that we look at. Well, you know how Carolina can get some, uh, some revenge on that is go out and beat Boston college tonight. And then on Thursday night, go out and take care of the Cavs and Reese Beekman in their wake. And so that's what we're going to be looking at tomorrow. We'll be unpacking Carolina's hopefully win over Boston college. And then if so, that means we will also be looking ahead to Thursday's matchup against Virginia in the quarterfinals of the ACC. Friends, that does it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Locked on Tar Heels. Follow Pack at Coach underscore, coach underscore K23. And you can follow me at Isaac Shade. Shoot us an email, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. We'd love to get your Heels of the Week nominees. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Hit the like button and leave some comments on your thoughts on the all ACC voting. Also, do not forget to check out Locked on College Basketball, our brand new podcast on the Locked on Network, where Andy Patton and myself take you all the way around the college basketball world in 30 minutes, five times a week. It's available on YouTube and anywhere else you get podcasts. Hey, Coach Pack and I really appreciate you hanging out with us for a little bit of your Wednesday. Hope it's a great day. Hope Carolina plays really well tonight and is able to save some legs for tomorrow against Virginia. Want to remind you that it's always a great day to be at Tar Heel. Until tomorrow, peace.